Hello, everyone, and welcome to All I Know Is This, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. My name is Amy Star Redwine. I am your host, and I'm the one of the pastors and the head of staff here at First Presbyterian Church. In this podcast, we are talking um, with all kinds of people, both within and outside of our particular faith community, about uh, life's big questions particularly in this season of Lent. And today I'm happy to welcome my friend and colleague, Philip Martin. Philip is a Lutheran pastor, do you call? Yes, it's a pastor. pastor. That's what we call them. Yeah, Yeah, I started to call you a priest and then I thought that's not right. (laughs) You don't say priest. Pastor, yeah. Yes, um, our listeners can't see this, but Philip, all the times I've seen him except one, he's worn a collar, so he even looks like a pastor. <laughs> uh, and so, Philip, tell us about yourself, where you've been, where you are now here in Richmond. and um, Okay. Yeah. Well, you're right. I am Lutheran. I'm it, the denomination that I am ordained into and that I serve as the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is uh, the largest of several Lutheran denominations. Okay. Um, I was raised in this denomination. Mm-hmm. I've been serving at Epiphany here in Richmond for 11 years. I am a North Carolinian, uh, so I'm a little bit in still in, in uh, different territory here in Virginia. I yes. grew up in North Carolina. Well, I was born in North Carolina. Oh, how about that? I know. See, Are I'm... you a Duke fan, Philip? Absolutely not. You have to leave now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated from North Carolina State University. and. Um majored there in biochemistry and German studies. So this was not, my my vocation now was not really at the surface of my life, I should say, back at that time. It was probably bubbling underneath. Wow. So So what happened? Uh, Well, what happened was um, I uh, returned to work at a camp that I had attended as a youth in the mountains of North Carolina called Lutheridge. Hmm. And I didn't know what to do during my college summers and so went back there a few times. And I think that's where uh, some of that started to happen. The discernment, God started to work on me mm-hmm. in certain ways there away from the bubble of of Raleigh. And I was able to see the church in a different way. I was able to see church leaders in a different mm-hmm. way. I did a Fulbright year in Germany okay. and uh, taught at a school there, which was interesting because they placed me. I don't know if they did this on purpose or not, but I was only about uh, 45 minutes from Luther's tromping grounds. Oh, wow. So uh, I was outside of Magdeburg. And uh-huh. um, so I went to Lutherstadt Wittenberg um, okay. a couple times, mm-hmm. where, of course, he was a teacher and mm-hmm. he nailed the 95 Theses. So uh, looking back, I kind of see God at work there. <laughs> but uh, and I, I came back from there and enrolled in seminary. I went to Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary, which is in okay. Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. Uh, but I'm married, uh, met my wife. Uh, in Pittsburgh, which is where my first call was. I served a, a, a congregation in near downtown Pittsburgh. Okay. Yes, I think we bonded over Cleveland, Pittsburgh. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, we've got some rivalries here. Yeah. And uh, we have three kids, mm-hmm. uh, happily living the Richmond life. We Great. really like it here. Well, well good. We really, really do. Um, and I really appreciate your willingness to, to chat with me today. So um, to start, we are... trying to think through what this whole concept of discipleship means, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I'd love to start by just hearing 
what that means to you and how you understand that personally, but mm-hmm. also in your ministry. Well, I can't I can't think of the word discipleship or the concept of discipleship without thinking of the word discipline, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. unfortunately for a lot of people carries uh, a negative connotation probably. Yeah. Uh, we think of punishment when we think of discipline. Mm. Um, but it, it helps me understand that discipleship does involve patterns and yeah. uh, sometimes ritual. It, it involves trial and error. Um, it involves following a pattern or a, or a type or a person. Mm-hmm. Um, just the things that you think of with discipline. If you, if you play a sport or if you play an instrument, you actually have to devote time and energy and thought uh, and be willing to make mistakes. And yeah. I think um, uh, that's helpful for me at least because I think that sometimes people who um, belong to a religious group, I don't know if this is what you found, but sometimes we get uh, this air that we've got all the answers or we're always perfect, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, or we at least get labeled that way. And I think, to me, the discipline part of discipleship reminds me I'm still just learning something, I'm following, I'm trying to if I don't get it right this time, maybe next time a little bit closer to the mark. Well, and that's one of the great examples, I think, of the disciples in mm-hmm. the New Testament, in the Gospels, is right. that they are very rarely getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, you know, Jesus yes. sticks with them. and Lots of grace. Yes, yes, lots of grace and keeps trying to get them back on the right path. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you sort of get the sense that they don't know what they don't know. Right. True for all of us. I would say, too, um, community is a large part of discipleship for mm-hmm. me. Uh, it's not following Jesus and, and learning more about my relationship with God is something that I, I really need other people involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just me with my private devotion book yeah. um, in prayer, which is part of it. But uh, so. I think discipleship could be pretty easy if you just got to do it all by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and That's never had to point. deal with other people, right, you know, right, who yeah. would like say things that you yes. don't really like to hear or don't mm-hmm. understand. Uh, well, let's get into the topic for this week of Lent. When we are reading our text, our lectionary text is from John 3, right, the right. story of mm-hmm. this uh, late night encounter between mm-hmm. Jesus and Nicodemus, one of the religious <clears throat> leaders. And uh, the topic for this week, because uh, we're, we're taking, um, kind of digging into a deeper topic of discipleship each week. And this one, I pulled from this story, the concept of rebirth, right. because this mm-hmm. is what comes in part in this encounter is where we get this idea mm-hmm. of being born again. Right. And it's a little bit of a confusing conversation that happens. Between... Very confusing. <laughs> Imagine Jesus having a confusing conversation. I know. Can you believe that? Oh. The nerve. I, would we still be here if everything Jesus had said had been crystal clear? It's like, okay, check. I guess we're done with that. Right. Um, so yeah, how, how, I guess mm. I have lots of questions. How right. do you make sense of this? What is your what are your thoughts about this idea of rebirth or being born again in a theological right. sense? And I, I think um, 
one of the things, if I remember correctly, is that just even that word, before the concept itself is kind of confusing and hard to understand, there's actually kind of a, a vocabulary issue here. Because mm-hmm. what, the anothen, this, this word, does it mean born from above mm-hmm. or does it mean born again? Because that right. there's that ambiguity. And I was doing a little bit of reading, uh, preparing for this talk, uh, just kind of reviewing that it is just not... Uh, univocal through the years Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that we've kind of landed, especially I think in our tradition uh, in Protestantism on the, it is born again, Mm -hmm. the second birth. Um, But it's just as easily to be read as born from above Mm -hmm. um, the spirit Mm -hmm. and that. um, So anyways, I, I think that I begin there with just let's be careful about how much we want to nail down hmm. precisely what this concept means. Well, and, and sometimes there's a gift in knowing that even it's so easy for us to get forget that we're always reading translations, which right. is someone's <clears throat> making a judgment call mm-hmm. about meaning in the text. And right. so the difference between born again, that's a concept I think a lot of Christians have a certain... Mm-hmm. A- Pigeonhole for, yeah, they they know, they think they know what that means. Right, versus Mm -hmm. born from above. You know, he immediately, Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus reaches for this metaphor of the wind. Uh And, and, you know, it's a really windy day, actually, right now. Somebody, as I got in my car, said, better, you know, better hold on to your hat um, (laughs) because it'll blow away. I think um, the concept of wind helps me here too because we can't nail wind down we can sometimes harness it but more or less i mean jesus says it goes where it wants Mm -hmm. um, you can't even really see it Mm -hmm. um and so i guess how do i understand being born anew or born again and born from above then i'd say i think we can talk about this experience that we have when we come to understand who Jesus is for us, mm-hmm. that love of God, it's mm-hmm. kind of unbridled like the wind. And it, it affects us. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives us a new perspective. It gives us a new perspective about God, about ourselves, about the world, how we interact with it, other people, um, our faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all tied together. But is it, is it a one-time event? right. Or is it something that we that revisits us over and over again? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are kinds of some of the things I think about rebirth. It's, yeah, you know, I, 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 again, I want to be hesitant not to nail anything down here. I do right. have my opinions mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, about the rebirth. But, I appreciate uh, your being kind of windy about yeah. it, you know, <laughs> and um, long winded. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's all great in terms of thinking about. Well, I love this idea of, is it a one-time thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I think about the theology of baptism, right. and in different traditions, baptism is either one-time event, whether mm-hmm. you were four days old or 40, you mm-hmm. don't do it again. Right. Um, Which would be our tradition. And, yes, mm-hmm. yours and uh, our Presbyterian tradition. But then there are other traditions where a baptism is only a baptism under certain circumstances. Right. Um, and... So even even the fact that that concept isn't mm-hmm. pinned down as much as, you know, in, in that all Christians agree about how baptism works, 
um, I think suggests that what we're dealing with here is something that's that's a big part of this journey. Mm-hmm. I think I read in a commentary, and this was probably slightly tongue-in-cheek, the, the writer said, it's like Nicodemus is in utero spiritually. Yeah. And clearly there's some things Nicodemus doesn't quite understand, right, doesn't right. quite see. And I think we see the same thing with mm-hmm. the disciples. You know, they really struggle to grasp who Jesus is, understandably. Mm-hmm. He's in a category that mm-hmm. they don't have any right. place to put that. Yeah. Um, so I agree, too, that this rebirth as a, um, you know, sort of coming to a new understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that does happen again and again. I'm kind of counting on that. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm glad you brought up uh, baptism because that's, uh, we in the Lutheran church, we, we talk about baptism a lot mm-hmm. and it's an important, uh, important, uh, cornerstone of, of Martin Luther's theology. Right. And we are a tradition that will baptize infants. Um, mm-hmm. I was baptized when I was six weeks old and Luther was a, a stout defender of that practice. Mm-hmm. Um, um, even he says, you know, no one can really prove that an infant doesn't have faith if, yeah. if, if faith is necessary for baptism, which of course, Luther would say it's not. It's really mm-hmm. more about God's action right. towards us. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so funny that right here off the bat, this first conversation that Jesus has is, is one of the thornier issues about if we're going to nail down a time yeah. or a, an event um, as to when we might have received that new birth, mm-hmm. um, what are we going to say? I guess I kind of, can it be both and? Can it be, I, I think it can. Can it, can it be both a time where we can hang our hat on and say, mm-hmm. this was when God made his decision. This is when the spirit moved in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my parents were there uh, or my godparents or whoever. Mm-hmm. I was only a little child. And the wind continued to blow. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. God surrounded me with people who could explain that wind to me as best they could. Mm-hmm. Um but then also, I feel rebirthed to some degree all the, all the time. I hope right. I will continue right. uh, as I as I serve the church and as I just am a disciple. Yeah. Um, new, fresh perspectives that wind kind of blowing over me. Can it not be both and? So um, I'm thinking about my conversation with Jim, which was around Ash Wednesday and mortality. Mm-hmm. And the power of remembering your death. Mm-hmm. And what's what I'm thinking about here, listening to you talk about baptism and this concept of rebirth is what's the power in also remembering our birth? You know, right. remembering in this that there was a moment where I wasn't and then a moment when I was in right. the world in a whole new way. Absolutely. And I, I remember, um, you know, Nowhere in in scripture does anyone say that you need to remember your baptism in order for it to be valid. Right. And um, I remember when I was young, my my wandering, questioning college years, I I heard a pastor say, you know, raise your hand here if if you've been born. And, you know, of course, all of of, everybody (laughs) stuck their hand. He said, "Okay, remember, raise your hand if you remember being born. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody's hand went up. He said, but you were still born. Yeah. Right. And um, he said, that's. That's how. That's a helpful way to remember not just baptism, but I guess anything that's happened to you uh, in your life of faith that's brought you to a certain point. You may not remember the specifics, mm-hmm. but it still happened. Yeah. 
So I, uh, yeah, I, it's, that's a very good connection between within the span of one week here liturgically, we're right. remembering our death. Now we're remembering, remembering our, our birth. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah I, our birth. I don't think yeah. I'd ever put that together mm-hmm. before, but, um, I think that might preach. I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't think we can leave this text without acknowledging right. that it contains one of the most. <laughs> I, could, I should have brought my poster board. Right. Yeah, and your your I, clown, uh, your rainbow clown wig. wig. <laughs> yes. Yes. So John 316. Mm-hmm. How do you understand John 316? <clears throat> For God so loved oh, the world. You know, I mean, that that scripture other than all of the other images and memories it evokes for me, it really takes me back to Sunday school as a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember the Sunday school teacher now, but I would have been in early grade school mm-hmm. at the time. And they said, you know, um, Lutherans don't always memorize a lot of scripture, um, but this one's one you need to memorize. This huh. is the whole gospel in one mm-hmm. little line. Yeah. But then later I heard somebody, I think it was a, a pastor preach, that you really need to put it with verse 17. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Jesus says, you know, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Right. And that, um, I don't hear it as much anymore, and I don't know why that is, but it seemed like for a long time John 3.16 could be used by some as kind of this bludgeon or, or you know, uh, a decision is needed of you, and um, you better mm-hmm. believe this, mm-hmm. and which really does have that connotation of condemnation. And right. and I don't think Jesus ever meant to be taken that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's in this conversation with a seeker. Yeah. I mean, Nicodemus is like maybe the greatest seeker in the Bible. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he pops back up again at the very end, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. When Jesus is being taken off of the cross and, and he's like um, just a shadowy figure, always kind yeah. of remains at our I just don't see Jesus as rebuking him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, and one of the things actually was a, a Lutheran, David Lose, who has okay. done a lot of writing mm-hmm. and um, I think is the one who who sort of reframed that scripture for me that for God so loved the world is not an expression of how much God loves the world, that God loves the world so much that right. God did this. Right. It's for God loved the world in this way mm-hmm. that God sent right. his son yeah. himself right. to be with us and not to judge mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. but to love us. Right. So, that was a helpful reframing mm-hmm. for me that sort of pulled back from the shaming mm-hmm. or bludgeoning yeah. way that this these texts can sometimes right. be used. Yeah. Context is everything. Isn't it, you though? Know? It really yeah. is. Well, I love this, this, this kind of image of Nicodemus as a shadowy figure and a real seeker. And I think one of the wonderful things about seekers is... That, that they tend to ask really good mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. So as we bring our conversation to a close, I have two questions for you. Okay. Um, and the first is a theological concept from your childhood that has remained true for you. Okay. Um, this is probably, uh, you know, taking the easy way out. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
I just I mean I have to to pull on my Lutheran heritage here and just say God's grace. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was really um, you know my my home congregation. Uh, the pastors, the youth directors, the Sunday school teachers, just the people who populated my little universe there in Winston-Salem at Augsburg Lutheran Church, they just did an exceptionally good job of bringing that home to me. Hmm. Um, And it wasn't always articulated with words. It Mm -hmm. was just the way they shared their love of life and faith and that God is a God of grace. Mm -hmm. And there's no way you could ever wander too far or there's no thing you could ever do mm. that would ever disrupt uh, that powerful love and grace that God has. And um, so we had a good time. I had a really good, um, I'm very, very grateful for um, my home church and the, the lessons that they embodied about grace, God's grace. So and now well, now love, I'm I've got to got to now I'm on the other end of it trying to put that into practice for other right. people perhaps. Well, and, and that's I'm, what I was saying. That's such a convicting story to yeah. remember that you know what happens at the church, especially for our young people, really really matters. It you know, does. it gets under their skin. Um, it does, and I don't even know if everyone else at my home church felt that. Same way that I right. did. I mean, they, sure. you know, you can't be everywhere at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, I remember there was this practice that they had at um, when we'd go on youth retreats, and we would just to do the youth retreats with our with our church, and we would put these. Um, everybody had uh, made and placed on the wall these. Um, Basically, it's like pieces of newsprint, and you'd you'd put your name at the top, mm-hmm. and through the course of the weekend, whenever there was any downtime, you were supposed to go write a message about the person. Okay, under yeah. them. I mean, it's this is not something my church thought up. I mean, right, it's done right. everywhere. But <laughs> you know, as a sixth or seventh grader, it was kind of like seeing affirmation like mm-hmm. on the wall in front of everybody, and some of the things that. I would, hadn't really seen about myself yet yeah. out there in the open and that I could be proud of it um, That's was really, really moving. Yeah, it was very yeah. powerful. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, then, you know, to again, to be on the other side of, to go actually write and look at other people in my youth group through those kinds of eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, look at the the gifts that these people have. Now I'm going to write it down. Yeah. And um, I saved those things for years. But I guess that's just part of what it was like for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, mm-hmm. I feel like God's grace that um, we can say a lot about so much uh, about God and the Trinity and the church. But at the end of the day, I think I want the last word to be grace. Nice. Thank so. you. <laughs> so how about a question that remains unresolved for you? <clears throat> okay. This one would be, um, I am really puzzled by and frustrated by uh, the lack of visible church unity mm. um, hmm. just across the globe that um, we're so fractured mm-hmm. and yet Jesus prays for unity. And this isn't just about any of the various hot topics that the church is currently divided on. I'm just... I mean, this goes back to, you know, the 400s and the right. 500s yeah. and the, the great schism of, of the 11th century. Mm-hmm. Um, why can't we embody 
the unity that the Spirit gives us and that Jesus prays for. Uh, that that bothers me. Yeah. Um, so I am grateful that I am in a Presbyterian church and being interviewed by a Presbyterian pastor. Maybe there's some unity that I'm not uh, giving well, thanks for right in front of me. But. And I was just thinking that's it's one of the things I love about our, our mm-hmm. group, that it's ecumenical. Right. And um, I think there's a lot to be gained from that because it is, I think it's a question that a lot of people who stay in the church long enough have that you think, wow, why is it so hard? I mean, not why can't only... God just- Put us all together right, right now. Right. Like, Maybe then we'd have nothing left to practice. That's right. And so, that's you know. Uh... But I think it's it's not just a, a conundrum for people in the church. I think it's a greater conundrum for people outside of the faith. Oh, because it, absolutely. it seriously undercuts our legitimacy, yeah. I think, yeah. uh, in ways that we don't realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we just love our Lutheran traditions or we love our whatever, whatever we have it. And it's right. like, well... To people who are seeking, like Nicodemus, mm. um, you know, Nicodemus had one person to go talk to. It was Jesus. He was yeah. there. He was physically present. So right. he could go, even under cover of night, one place to get his answers. We have a million places for people to get mm-hmm. answers now, and they're all giving a lot of different answers. So it's well, <laughs> that's such a good point. And sometimes, uh, you know, to have too many choices ends mm-hmm. up being making none. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it does just raise the question of how how can what you say be true if, right. as you know, and as a as a whole, Christians can't seem to find their own unity. So I, I really appreciate that question. And thank you so much for joining me today. It's no been thank you for having me. Great to have you. And thanks for listening. Go be the church in the world and um, find new ways to remember your birth, remember your life, remember your baptism.